Yo, 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 what's good, everybody, what's good, welcome back, you know what it is, welcome back, welcome back, welcome back to another episode of the Isaiah Kid Podcast, the Isaiah Kid Podcast, the IKP, welcome back, welcome back, hope you guys are, well, this is, you. as you guys know, this is a Saturday episode, so you guys know how we give it up on Saturdays. Uh, I got a, I got a, I got a variety of things that I want to touch on and talk about. Obviously, the NBA playoffs were at the forefront of the NBA playoffs. NBA playoffs, uh, college football. We got some big news in college football that I'm going to discuss and talk about. Um, we got, we got, we got, we got a variety of topics that I do want to touch on. So I do want to make this Saturday episode good for you guys. I do. I do. I do. I do. Um, it's just me. One man band today. One man band on today's episode. No guests. Um, it's just me today in the flesh. Let's get it to go. Let's get it. Let's get it. Let's get it. Let's get it. Um, oh, by the way, I'm your humble and highly favorite host, Isaiah Kitt. I hope you guys are doing good. I hope you guys are well. I am well. And um, let's get into it. Let's get into it. Let us. Let's get into it. Let's start with the Milwaukee Bucks and the Brooklyn Nets. Game three of the Milwaukee Bucks and the Brooklyn Net. Brooklyn Nets. Excuse me. So the the Bucks they came out victorious in a very very low scoring ball game, eighty six to eighty three over the over the Brooklyn Nets. Over the Brooklyn Nets, they came out victorious. And um, for all the people that, you know, for all the Bucks fans that may be listening, um, for the people that may have picked the Bucks to win this series, and, I mean, everybody that I have encountered, you know, with or talked with, most people, book, most people pick the Nets. But the Milwaukee Bucks, that was a bad win. And I know it's the playoffs. A win is a win. I get it, but we got to. But you guys know I'm here to add context and perspective. That was a horrible win for the Milwaukee Bucks last night. That win, like even though the Bucks won a very narrow game, as I already have stated. It does like if you pick the like, that's why I said if you pick the Bucks to win this series, despite them winning, you can't have much confidence going throughout this series. If you pick the Bucks, and I, like I said, there's not I don't know a lot of people that pick the Bucks to win this series, but if you did pick the Bucks to win this series, even after their first win in the series. You cannot be much. You cannot be that confident because I watched all forty-eight minutes, of course, of the Bucks and Nets game. Brooklyn in the first quarter got blitzed. They only scored eleven points in the first quarter. They found themselves trailing twenty plus. They were down. They were already down twenty plus points at the end of the first quarter. Brooklyn played a horrible first quarter. Kevin Durant struggled. In the first half, that was the word. That was probably the that like to my to my remembrance. That was probably the worst first half I saw Kevin Durant play. Chris Middleton and Giannis scored the Bucks' first thirty points. Chris Middleton 
had the game, or he had he had a really good first half. He had he had a he had a half the first half of his life. The Brooklyn Nets still, still, despite all of that, this is like despite all of that. The Brooklyn Nets still had a chance to win the game, <laughs> and it just it like what and what I saw what was what, what was on display, and I've been recognizing it throughout the beginning of this, of this series, but the skills like the skill difference between each team, like the disparity in skill, is so wide. Like that, that the skill, the skills disparity in this series is so wide, and it's such, it's such a wide margin. Like Brooklyn is just the more skilled team, whatsoever, hands down. And it starts from the top to the bottom. With Milwaukee, top to bottom, Giannis, Giannis himself is not the most skilled guy. As great as he is, as dominant as he is, he's not the most skilled guy. And for some reason, Giannis continues to take three pointers. He shot eight three pointers. He went one from he went one for eight from downtown. So he continues to shoot three pointers. Um, Milwaukee throughout throughout a majority of the game went into stretches where they would play isolation ball. It just didn't work. A lot of this, and, and like I said. Granted the win, okay, a win, you may say a win is a win, but great, like, if you're adding context, if you really watch the game, Milwaukee has no, I don't think, I don't, in my opinion, I don't think Milwaukee has a chance in this series. If you watch the game in its totality, and you actually, if you're actually adding context. Like I said, Kyrie struggled, Kyrie struggled, Kevin Durant he played the worst first half I've ever seen him play. Uh, like I said, to my remembrance, in the second half he was he 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 played a little bit better. But I kind of figured that I kind of expected that he had a bad first half, so he's going to play better in the second half. That's what I expected. And Brooklyn still found a way with a chance to win the game. So I thought they were I thought there was some late game execution. Um, I think both teams. Down the stretch of the fourth quarter, it was ugly. Um, there was a stretch where both neither team could really generate any type of efficient offense. And all of that, piled on all of that, Brooklyn still had a chance to win the game. So if you're Milwaukee, you cannot feel good. You cannot feel good. And I feel like, you know, watching the playoffs, um, and I, I I've been trending towards feeling this way for a little bit, but watching the playoffs has kind of has almost like put a stamp on it. And I'm like, in today's game, in today's NBA, we're moving in such a direction where skill, and when I mean skill, I'm talking about being able to create your own shot. I'm talking about having shot makers. I'm talking about players who can play off the ball. I'm talking about players who can shoot the ball. Have and having handles and so forth. Those particular skills in today's NBA, I feel like are more significant than ever as far as having success as a team, 
having no possessing no skills and that and no skill sets is such is more significant in today's game than it than it's ever been in in the NBA. And to oppose to that with like size and toughness. Now, hear me out. I'm not saying size and toughness doesn't matter. I'm not saying size and toughness um isn't important. No, it's still very much important. But as I've mentioned, you look at Brooklyn, you look at Milwaukee. Milwaukee is quote unquote the tougher team. And you and like in today's game, you like you really gotta like what is tough, quote unquote, in today's game. Because the way how the game is officiated and called, there's no you can't hand check. So like there's certain things. So you like you have bad breath. You have bad breath. You get called. A, you, you can get you can get a fake. You can get a flagrant for having bad breath. So like <laughs> you know. So when so when you're talking about toughness, you how do you measure that? But as far as size and toughness, Milwaukee has that advantage. You would think, right? But Brooklyn has the skill advantage, and when you watch both, when you watch these teams play each other, it's clear that Brooklyn is better. <laughs> it's clear. It's clear as day that Brooklyn is better. Look at all the things that went right for Milwaukee, and they barely inked out a win. And I didn't even mention Brooklyn doesn't even have their second best player. Brooklyn, Brooklyn doesn't. Brooklyn's missing two. Brooklyn's missing two key rotation guys. First, they're obviously missing James Harden who's their second-best player and their, quote-unquote, point guard. Now, I don't want to say, quote-unquote, point guard, because he is their point guard. So Brooklyn's missing their second-best player and James Harden and their point guard. And then Jeff Green, a guy, a rotational player, a good rotational player at that, who who provides size and shooting. Brooklyn don't have neither of those guys. And as I mentioned, all of the things that went well for Milwaukee – Chris Middleton and and people people don't people think I don't like Chris Middleton or I have some type of hate like no 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 but let's be real Chris Middleton was probably the best player on the floor in game 3 that's not going to happen again sorry it's not going to happen again Durant Durant is not going to play that bad in the first half like he did I expect Durant the next game to come out better Kyrie is not going to play as bad as he did. So, like, so, and, and also Kyrie needs to be more assertive, but that's that's another point. But all the things that went right for Milwaukee, and they barely inked out a win. I, I'm just saying, I'm just here to I'm just here to deliver the truth. Brooklyn is heads and toes better than Milwaukee. And also, as I mentioned, having skill. And those in those in those skill sets that I mentioned, you know, being able to create your own shot, being able to play off the ball, being able to shot make make different diff, make make a variety of shots. Brooklyn has, is so important in today's game. And when you look at a team like Milwaukee that truly lacks that, like I know they got Drew Holiday, and I like Drew Holiday. He's a good player, you know, really good two way guy. But even with Drew Holiday, like. Pay attention to how the Bucks, the Milwaukee Bucks, are using Drew Holiday because I think it's I think it's really interesting because in Game Three it took so get figure this out 
first two games, it took Mike Budenholzer, it took Mike Budenholzer two games to figure out that Giannis should be playing more off the ball. So, for instance, the Bucks they've ran a lot of pick and roll with Giannis as the roller instead of Giannis as the ball handler. They ran more pick and roll with Giannis as the actual roll guy. But with them doing that, they ran a lot of Middleton and Giannis uh, pick and roll. But with them doing that, that took the ball out of Drew Holiday, Drew Holiday, um, his hands. So that takes away the looks that he sometimes could get. Um, he's not really setting up the offense as you like as a point guard would. So with that happening, Drew Holiday struggled a little bit throughout that game. He made some buckets down the stretch, but he struggled. If you throughout that game, he struggled. So the skill, the skill that Milwaukee does have in Drew Holiday, he's really not being maximized. His skill is not really being maximized with the Bucks and Mike Budenholzer taking the ball out of his hands. But if, it, but it, it, I mean, if Milwaukee wants to get another game, if they want to win another game. They're going to have to the, – the game's going to have to look like this. The game is going to have to look like this. It's going to have to be ugly. It's going to have to be slow. They got to slow down the pace. They're going to have to hope that KD and Kyrie is off. They, 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 it's going gonna, it's gonna to take a lot for Milwaukee to win – to continuously win a game um, versus Brooklyn because that's just the skill disparity. Um, and like I said, it starts from top to bottom. Giannis, not not you know, it's like I said, as great as he is, as much as I like Giannis, the skill is just not there. And when you look at on the other side with Brooklyn, they have a guy that's Giannis size and Kevin Durant, who six eleven seven foot, he can handle the rock just as good as a guard. He can he can get to any spot and he can shoot from anywhere. So that that's it's polar opposites, and Brooklyn is better. Brooklyn is better, and, and Milwaukee is so weird. It's so weird because they've had so many oppor opportunities to advance throughout the Eastern Conference and try to win the conference and get to the finals, but they just haven't. They just haven't captured that. They just haven't did it yet. Um, and 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 more to my point and my emphasis about skill. Look at Atlanta. Even though the even though now I do think Philadelphia is going to win the series versus the Hawks, but I think that series can easily go seven games. Look at Atlanta and Philadelphia. Atlanta is possessed with skill, nothing but skill, and it's it's start the head of the snake is is Trey Young, twenty two years old. The head of the snake is Trey Young with his playmaking ability. He is so difficult to like. It's like Philly has had a hard time trying to defend the the Hawks pick and roll with Trey Young because his playmaking, not only his shot making ability, but his playmaking ability is so elite. And then, not to mention, Atlanta has guys that can roll to the rim, catch lobs. They also have a they have an a range of shoot. They have guys that can shoot the cover off the basketball. With Philadelphia, it's more that Philadelphia has some skill, but it's size, and Philadelphia is going to try to take advantage take advantage of their size. But even but even in the first round, look what Atlanta look at what Atlanta did to the Knicks. 
the Knicks were the team, quote unquote, that was the more the Knicks were the more defensive oriented team. The Knicks were the team that had like the size and toughness, didn't have as much skill as Atlanta. Atlanta's skill overtook New York's size and defense in in in, in toughness. It overtook it. <clears throat> it overtook it and as I continue to watch these playoffs like this these like these playoffs you can tell from the set the great separator from the first round to the second round. And what I mean by that is this. Milwaukee completely annihilated Miami. Milwaukee completely annihilated Miami. Milwaukee now playing against Brooklyn. It's not even close. It's not even close. So what is that telling me? Miami? <laughs> I don't know. But and we and I talked about this with one of my guests that I brought on on Jordan Foot. And shout out to Jordan Foot because Jordan actually brung up the point about Miami happening to rebuild. Or they or, or the possibility of Miami happening to rebuild or probably trying to rebuild. Because what that is showing me is if Milwaukee completely annihilated Miami and Milwaukee looked like they're playing Brooklyn right now, these two teams shouldn't be on the same floor. What does that say about Miami? Miami needs to retool or rebuild. And Milwaukee is not, like I said, Milwaukee is not as good as Brooklyn. I, I I look at I look at Portland. Like, look at the Portland and Denver series. Denver, Portland did win two games, but Denver controlled the Portland series in the first round. They controlled the Portland series in the first round. And mind you, Denver didn't even have Jamal Murray, Will Barton. They didn't even have their, their backcourt, their starting backcourt. They didn't have their starting backcourt. And they 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 kind of they dominated Portland. You look at what Phoenix is doing to Port. Is, is you look at what Phoenix is doing to Denver right now? It's night and day. So that means Portland needs to rebuild it, or, or, or retool. And Denver, you know, Denver got the injuries. So you know, I think it's. It, I think the first round, the second round is the great separator because you're seeing the disparity not only in skill but the disparity in talent in the teams because, because Phoenix is killing Denver right now. Like every which way, they're killing Denver. Denver can't keep up. Where Denver killed, my, killed Portland. So it, it's just, it just it goes to show you um, in these series, the best team usually wins. Um, and also, I, like I said, it's the great separator between the first and second round because – you look at some of these matchups. I mean, Miami got killed by, Bro by 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 Milwaukee, but Milwaukee is getting like getting slaughtered by Brooklyn. It just it just it's so funny how that thing work out. But <clears throat> I'm gonna move on. Uh, I'm gonna move to I might I may stick with NFL. Um, let's let's go to the college football. Let's go to college football really quickly. Let's touch on that. Okay, so let's move on to the college football playoff expansion proposal, right? So as we all know, um, the college football playoff currently as set right now uh, is four teams, four teams. But now uh, it looks like college football is moving in, in, moving into a direction where they want to propose a 12-team playoff, so adding eight more teams. 
Now let me give you this. <clears throat> I'm 19 if as you guys if you guys don't know, I'm only 19 years old of age. 19 years old, only 19 years. Okay? So, like I've been watching college football for like I like I like college football a lot. Um I watch it. I've been watching it for a little bit. Now, it's always been particularly tricky with trying to pick, you know, what team should play for a national championship. Uh, the reason why I mentioned my age because I'm old enough to remember the BCS system that college football used to have, where BCS system really wasn't the the best. It wasn't the worst, but it it, it wasn't. I don't think it accurately. Um, some some years I don't think it accurately gave us the best two teams or the two best teams. I should say the college football playoff. It, it's more of an improvement. Um. It's more of an improvement, but let me let me get to the basis as to why I think uh, college football is now trying to move forward with this new proposal of twelve teams in this playoff. Now, I'm be honest with you guys, it's a money grab. Like I said, I like college football. I watch it on Saturdays. Um, I, I like you guys know. I think it's a bit regional. It, it, I think it's a bit regional. It's a lot of southern dominance. Um, you know, obviously you have other teams. You have teams scattered elsewhere that's really good, like the Ohio States. Uh, you know, occasionally Oregon or so forth. You know, you got teams that scattered. That's really good. Ohio State is really the like the team outside of the South that's like usually dominant. That's fair. I think that's fair. The team, the team up north. Ohio State, the team that's up north that that dominates up north is usually Ohio State, but that's so forth, right? But I, like I told you guys, college football is a bit regional. It can become a bit regional at times, but it's a money grab. This twelve team expansion, it, it's a money grab. It, it is um because now with this twelve team expansion possibly uh that means different networks are going to get involved so it's not going to just be espn now that you have this 12 team college football playoff um expansion whatever or so forth you you're now going to have multiple networks bidding for for these games so just like the nfl you know how the nfl schedule comes out we talked about the nfl schedule but you know how the nfl schedule comes out where you know you got fox obviously you got uh espn um, you got NBC, you got CBS. They all try to grab and get these games for their networks. It's money. It's a lot of money involved. And with this 12-team playoff, think of it like March Madness, but like on steroids, Jose Caseco style, right? Think of it of March Madness on steroids, Jose Caseco style. And that's that that's what you're getting with this 12-team college football playoff. So I think it's a money grab. I think that's just me. That's just my personal opinion. Um, I think some. I think most of you guys would probably echo my sentiments or or my you know or my opinion. Um, it's a money grab. You look at what happened over the last year and a half, right? COVID nine, COVID nineteen, college college football. Most a lot of college football programs. Uh, you know they taking out loans. They're doing whatever. They're struggling. They're struggling. They couldn't have fans in the in the stands. So. You know, I think this is obviously this is a 
get back a money grab to try to recoup the finances and the funds, the capital that was lost throughout the last year and a half with COVID-19. Okay. But not only, uh, and I'm not saying they should or they shouldn't, I'm not mad that it is a money grab, but with it being a money grab, with it being with with like with this 12 team playoff networks different networks other than ESPN not just ESPN but different networks now that you're gonna have this 12 team playoff are gonna be involved you're gonna have you're gonna have to start playing the players like you're gonna have to start paying the players and I feel like we're getting closer and closer to this situation already but I mean having this type of like like College football is a multi-billion dollar industry, multi-billion dollar industry. You have coaches that make five, six, seven, eight million dollars on a yearly basis. Uh, Nick Saban just re-upped his contract. He signed for eight more years. So, so with everybody recouping money, networks are going to get money. The college, the schools, the coaches they're going to see a lump sum of money. It's only right that the players, I mean, because think of it, think about it. You're going to have, you're now going to have teams that's going to be playing 16, 17 games, 16, 17 games. I mean, with a multi-billion dollar industry, the coaches make millions of dollars on a yearly basis at somebody, you know, at the big time powerhouses and so forth, millions of dollars. Networks are recouping money. Networks are now getting in multiple networks, not just ESPN. Multiple networks are now getting involved. That means you're gonna start paying the players. You thought you thought you thought the crowd of people that was yelling and screaming about players need to be paid. Oh my goodness. Once the, if this if this whole 12 team playoff gets a gets approved, oh my gosh. There's going to be so many people clamoring for players to get paid. As simple as that. As simple as that. Now, the other thing is, and I hate to say it because I know I know a lot of people want parity and they want to see different teams winning and different teams get in. It, it's not gonna. It's not gonna make a difference. The Alabamas. The Ohio States, the Clemsons, they're still going to come out on top. <laughs> they're still going to come out on top. It, it, yes, it's a 12-team play. It's a 12-team format. Yes, you're going to add more teams. Yes, um, <clears throat> that means like the, like the teams the teams that I mentioned, like the Clemsons, the Alabamas, um, the Ohio States, instead of them winning one or two games to win the national championship or to be crowned as national champions or as, as national champions. Instead, they have to win two to three games. That's all. That's literally all. Like I, I get it for the people that try to root for like the Cincinnati, like, but let's be honest. <laughs> let's be honest. The final four as far and I'm talking about college football. I'm not talking about college basketball. The final four for the, for the college football season, if they were to move on, if they were to pass this 12-team playoff format, the final four is where people will really watch. Let's be honest. Because that's where we would have the cream of the crop. 
and and no matter how you try to cut it, I'm not, like how how many like no matter how you try to slice the cake, slice the pie, doesn't matter. The teams that were winning fifty years ago, the teams that were winning seventy years ago, are still the same teams that's winning now. Literally, like the like I said, the Alabamas, the Ohio States, the Oklahomas. The Clem, like you know, Clemson's a fairly new powerhouse, but Clemson is a powerhouse. Um, that you know, Clemson is going on a crazy run right now. Uh, even like a, even like a, a program like USC, USC when they have the right coach, when they have the right like group at USC as far as coach and player combination, USC is dominant. USC when they like I said when they have the right coach. USC is dominant, and they're in that same powerhouse class as those teams that I mentioned. It's, the Georgias are still going to win a lot of games. The LSUs, the Oklahomas, they're still going to win a lot of games, and they're still going to be in the mix. So these other teams that people want to get a shot and, you know, oh, this team deserves a shot, and this team, like, I'm sorry to break it to you, but this is what college football is. That this is what it is. This is what it is. Like I said, the you know they had the AP uh, poll where you know the media and culture, you know all that good stuff where decide you know they would decide who's the national champion or who's who's going to play for the national championship. You know you had the BCS system. You know the college football. Like it doesn't matter. Like I'm sorry to break it to to those, but it doesn't matter. It does not matter. The same schools will win. For instance, here here's here's an example. A school like a program like Oregon. Thirty years ago, Oregon was not a college football powerhouse. Oregon was not a top fifteen college football powerhouse program they weren't they weren't a top 15 program 30 years ago they became oregon became relevant in 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 like powerhouse conversations in top 15 conversations the moment field night existed and you know did all that um you have schools like stafford who has stafford has runs occasionally but like, come on, let's think about it. Stafford, they had, they had David Shaw, and you know, obviously they had Harbaugh. But who was the quarterback? Andrew Luck. Andrew Luck is probably is one of the greatest. It's one of the four greatest college college football, like one of the four greatest quarterback prospects ever. So like, so my point is like, even when these schools like Stanford kind of are good they have they have moments brief moments when they're good like it's usually because they have either a really good coach and like a like a really really elite legendary coach or you have um you have a like a special quarterback <laughs> like that's literally it that's literally it but when you're talking about it's in terms of college football and and who's going to win it all who do we always see at the top of the who who do we see at the, always at the top of the standings at the top of the polls? Alabama, Ohio State, USC when they have the right coaching, T- 
Texas when they have the right coaching, Oklahoma, Georgia, LSU. Like, <laughs> it's so funny. It's so funny. But this is what college football, this is what college football is. And that's why I talked about um at the beginning of my soliloquy, college football, it, it could become a bit regional. It could become a bit regional and dominated by the South. Look at like the team, most of the teams that I that I continue on, like that I continuously name, they're in the South. Alabama, Georgia, Oklahoma, LSU, Florida, Georgia, like <laughs> Clemson. <laughs> the only team, like the only and, and you think of powerhouses, like even like programs that have fallen off a bit. Florida State, Miami, Miami kind of Miami's kind of resurging, kinda. You know they're they're trying to they're trying to get back to that 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 level, but even like but even programs such as that with great history, the Florida States, the Miami, they're in the South. They're in the they're they're, they're in the South. <laughs> they're in the South, and like I said, occasionally you have Michigan. You know that that's good. Wisconsin usually have good teams, but who's dominating? In, who's dominating in the Big Ten country? Ohio State. Ohio State, most times than not, more years than not, they're dominating Big Ten country. So it's going to continue to go like that. But like I said, the networks with the college football playoff expanding to 12 teams, best best in belief, networks, multiple networks, not just ESPN, but multiple networks, including ESPN, will be bidding for these games and will be bidding for these spots for these playoff games and that's going to involve that's going to involve lots of money <laughs> that's going to avoid that's going to that's going to that's going to cause lots of money to flow in and i think it's like just from looking like if you're just somebody that's looking from the outside looking in you're like okay coaches are getting paid millions Programs are getting paid millions. Conferences are getting paid millions. <laughs> Networks are getting paid millions. <laughs> but the actual product, the players, they ain't getting paid nothing. Like from from a per- a person that's looking from it from the outside looking in, it's gonna be a problem. Players are gonna start getting players are gonna have to start getting paid. Players are gonna have to start getting paid. Simple as that. But um, I think it's interesting. I'm not mad at it. Like I said, it's a money grab. It's a money grab for sure. But I'm not mad at it. You know, if you're if you're an industry that has money and there's a way to multiply that money, go ahead. Um, but they're trying to. But like I said, they're trying to recoup from the losses from COVID nineteen over the last year and a half now. So yeah, I'm not mad at it. But it's a money grab. And like I said, and also you're kind of watering down the regular season too. A bit, you're kind of you're a bit. You're 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 watering down the regular season, but let's see if we're here or there. Those are my thoughts on the 12 team playoff expansion. I know that was that's that's 16 minutes long, so but I, I just had to go in depth into the meat as to why or you know what's gonna what what the outlook is gonna look like once if this expansions happen with the college football playoff. So another topic that I want to hit on um, that I thought it was interesting. And I was in the actual clubhouse, you know, the clubhouse app. I was in the actual clubhouse room, and we were discussing um, international play, international players, and the dominance 
uh, of the international players and talent that we have here now in the NBA. Obviously, you know, Luka Doncic rings bells, Giannis and Nikola Jokic. But not only those, but now you have those guys are winning MVPs, Defensive Player of the Year awards. Uh, the, the, the last three MVP awards have been international players. Now, granted, Giannis won back-to-back MVPs, but Giannis has won two. And as we all know now, um, as or we should know, Nikola Jokic is the 2021 MVP. He won he won MVP this year. And you know, not too long ago as well, Rudy Gobert, he won his third defensive player of the year award, his third in 4 years. But the guy that won it last year was Giannis Antetokounmpo. So now so we're seeing an influx of international and not I wouldn't say influx but international players <clears throat> are now becoming borderline or if not superstars. They're becoming borderline if not superstars already in today's game. Um, and I think I, I can't wait to see the all NBA. Mm, excuse me. I can't wait to see the all NBA teams because I would think the all NBA teams would probably consist of, at least for the first team, would probably consist of. Luca at a forward spot, Giannis at a forward spot, and then and and, and Nikola Jokic. So I think the NBA first team, all the, the all NBA first team, could likely have th- at least three, at least three players on the all NBA first team. At least three players. If I'm th- if I'm thinking about it correctly, and you know thinking of how about you know what the voting would look like. At least probably three. I think at least two guys are going to make it, but probably I'm, if I was to bet, I would probably bet three international players would be named first team on NBA. So given all of that, and even even with the conversation about Luka Doncic, because I, you know Luka had a great playoff series despite the loss, um, despite them losing in the first round, the Mavericks. Luka had a phenomenal playoff series. He averaged thirty five. He was great. He was absolutely great, and he was great in the bubble last year versus the Clippers. And I saw the conversation ringing the bells around, is, is Luka Doncic the best 22-year-old ever? Like, like, not talking about the totality of someone's career, but is Luka Doncic at 22? Has there ever been another player as good as him at 22? And offensively, <laughs> offensively, it is really hard to – not say that he's not the best 22-year-old, like offensively. Now, defensively, we know he doesn't do that. He doesn't do much of that. But offensively, the, the his all-around offensive game is so polished. And and when I talked about Luka, I've always, I, like, I usually bring up that it's not only he's so crafty offensively, but I often say, He's playing chess, not checkers. And a lot of um and, and speaks and kind of I feel like with the with the rise, I'm not gonna say rise necessarily, because international players, I feel like I feel like there's been an influx of really good international players in the league over the last 20 years or so, last 20, 25 years. 
I feel like there's been an influx, but I feel like it's also it goes hand in hand. I think the way how the game is taught overseas is a bit advanced, and it's the right way. I feel like most times, and the AAU format in the situations that we have in America with the AAU, because the AAU scene, and not to say not and not, not I'm not talking about all AAU coaches, but there's a good majority. There's a good share of AAU coaches and trainers, personal trainers that that we now have in America. The 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 the, the teaching of the game of basketball, our kids are lacking. Our kids are lacking. Our players are lacking. Like the actual like our talent. It's always it has always been really good. Our talent, that's not where the, the that's not where we lack, but it's the actual structure and the teaching of the game of of like the game of basketball itself is I think that's where some players in like as far as American players, that's where we miss it. That's where American players miss it. Like, for instance. Have you ever? And you, this would be, this can be a, a, a dad listening. This can be a coach that may be listening. This can be a player, like this can be a young high school player listening. Usually, in America over here, you can have a six four or six five eighth grader, and what his middle school coach does, and what his AAU coach does. They place him under the basket, and they tell that kid that he's a center. He has to play like a center because he's six four, six five, and he's bigger than the you know he's bigger than the average kid, right? That's what. So usually that's the type of situation that we have here in America. At six four, six five. If you're six four, six five, at the age around like like I said, eighth grade, like 14, 15 in the eighth grade, and you're the biggest guy on your team, the coach automatically he labels you and he puts you under the basket and he labels you a center. And you don't and you and 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 actually focusing instead of actually focusing on developing your skills. As if you're a wing player or a guard, all of that time spent is you playing center. But by the time that kid gets to high school in higher levels and he never grows again, he just his growth stops at six five. The, the his development as far as his skill set is behind. It's behind. And I see it, I see it a lot. I mean, but it it's it it, it happens a lot. And that's why you usually see parents like, you know, I don't want my kid just being under the basket. I want my kid playing center. I want my, I want my kid. I want my boy, or, or my girl. I want, I want, I want my kid handling the ball. Actually, you know, you doing that type. Of, you, you, you all. I know you got. If you guys have been around the AAU setting, I'm sure you've heard or have. Um, or if you, or you may, hey, you may have been that parent. You may, you may be that parent that says, "Hey, I want, I don't want my kid under under the basket. I want my kid actually handling the ball, setting up the offense." 
you you i'm sure we all have encountered that parent or you very well may be that parent well i think that's the problem i think that's where the problem starts a little bit with the actual fundamentals of the game being taught and like i said that's here in america overseas coach i think if i'm not mistaken trainers have to be certified overseas like they have a strict criteria for um trainers actually being certified but not only that i think like my example about like a kid like you can have a seventh grader that is six four six five overseas they are not gonna just place him under the basket no they're gonna they're gonna actually grow upon okay you have the you have the the frame you have the body but now we're gonna mix it together with the skills and the actual fundamentals of the of the game and i think that i mean overseas you they just don't get labeled as this or that they just they just get better at basketball they're actually taught just basketball it's it doesn't it just doesn't come from a positional standpoint so I, I think um I, I would I, I think I'm gonna get somebody I, I'm gonna I'm gonna get somebody on I'm gonna get some people on um as, as I want because I want this because I want this conversation to progress um because I think it's a good one um and I think it's I think it's one that we should shed light on but and now I think the other the caveat to my to my other to my point is to the other side of my point is this while Luca like while the Luca Doncic's are great it's great that we have guys like Luca and Nikola Jokic even a guy like Joel Embiid Joel Embiid is not American he's from Africa he's from Cameroon uh Luca's from Slovenia uh Nikola Jokic is from Serbia so and Giannis is from Greece so like not even not even not and like I said it's great to have these guys but guys like the Joker, guys like Luca, they're skilled and they're really good. They're elite. But it's not a lot. Of, but don't get it mistaken. It's not a lot of guys overseas that's just walking around like yoke, like like the Joker and Luca. It ain't it ain't many of those guys just walking around overseas. So let's not get that mistaken. Those guys are kind of anomalies like the like the joker luca they're kind of anomalies now from like i said that's the other side that's the other side of my point but like i said overseas i feel like the game is taught a little bit more pure it's taught better the fundamentals and the actual breakdown and the concept of the game is i think it's taught a little bit better overseas than it is over here I do. I really do. And that's why I think we're able to have a conversation about a guy like Luka Doncic who may be what we're asking ourselves, is this the best 22-year-old we've ever seen, especially offensively? I think that's the reason I think one I think that's one of the reasons why we're able to have that conversation. I think that's the reason why we're able to have one of those conversations, but over here, I feel like too often we have kids that's blessed with athletic abilities, tip-top athletic abilities, but 
without the proper guidance and coaching and training, you know, we have coaches just, you know, if you if you see an athlete, if you see a tall athletic kid, we just have coaches that just play that kid, play that kid, and we don't and but that kid never actually learns the game. He never actually learns the game and he never actually learns how to actually break down the concept of the game. We just think some of I'm not saying all of us, but I'm just I'm I, and I'm I, I'm kind of general I'm kind of generalizing the statement, but we we sometimes just see a kid athleticism size and we're like okay he gonna he gonna make it off of that but that's not true that's not true and I think that's where some kids some players some high school players some even some collegiate players probably even fall short where they don't actually understand the concept of the game but like I said Luke guys like Luca and the Joker don't like like I said the overseas, overseas, I think they teach a game better than Americans. I think they teach the game a little bit better. But don't get them mistaken. Guys like the Joker and Luca are anomalies. And they're just not, it's just, it's not a whole bunch of jokers just one just walking around Serbia. There's not a whole bunch of Lucas and Jokers just running around, walking around Eastern Europe. And a lot of those guys. And a lot of those guys. You're not gonna find guys like the Joker who is seven feet tall, um, not quick at all, but can shoot it, can pass it, can pass. Like the Joker is so good. There's some there, there's the Joker is so good. I trust the Joker more than some guards <laughs> in the league. I trust there's probably that there's probably coaches. That would trust the Joker more with the ball to make a better decision than some actual guards. No, not kidding. Not kidding. There's there's probably coaches and executive, there's probably coaches and executives and so forth that pro that trust the Joker more with the ball, a seven-footer with the ball more than an actual guard. So I think it's interesting. I think it's like I said. I think it's an I think it's a very interesting um, conversation to be had. Um, uh, I think, uh, like I said, I think there's there it, it, it's it's one it's half and half. I feel like it's half and half. Um, I think the AAU format, the AAU mentality or setting. I think that's kind of. I don't think that helps. Uh, I'm, and I'm not saying it's a bad thing necessarily. I'm not saying like the AAU just as itself is a bad thing, but I do think at, at times it does limit kids' potentials um, as far as growing as actual players. I do. Um, let's. I'm gonna touch on this Julio Jones to the Tennessee Titans situation. Uh, this trade. I don't think I've talked about this trade on this podcast yet. Um, so I'm gonna give you guys my thoughts on that. I'm gonna give you guys my thoughts on that on the other side. Okay, so let's get to this Julio Jones uh story or situation, right? Uh, because I was never I was actually never able to talk about this on the podcast. I don't think so. Yeah, I don't think I was able to talk about this because NBA playoffs and so forth, so much just so much stuff happening in sports, right? Um, so I couldn't talk about it. Now Okay, let's. So Julio Jones, he gets traded 
to the Tennessee Titans. The Titans give up a second rounder. Uh, Julio goes to Tennessee. <laughs> and people, and I can I can remember the actual day that this trade went down. People went berserk. <laughs> Twitter went berserk. The Titans this, the Titans that, ah, everywhere, right? Uh, the Titans. Uh, I, I think so. Let me so let me tell you this. I had the Titans, so I always do this. There's always three to five teams in the NFL that made the playoffs the previous year, but they don't make it the following year. And the Titans are one of those teams that made the playoffs the previous year, last year. And I thought they were one of the teams that I would, they were one of the teams that I was seriously considering that I don't know if they're going to make the playoffs. I don't, you know, I was seriously considered them one of those teams that will, that would not make the playoffs the following year. They, they made, they made some, they made some questionable draft picks. Um, They drafted Caleb Farley with their first round pick. Farley had two back surgeries and he didn't even play. Um, Okay. So, the Titans have no pass rush, and Titans have major defensive issues. Major defensive issues. This Julio Jones trade means not like it means it almost means nothing. Now, granted, I think the Titans' offense is going to be really good. You know, because teams, it's going to be hard for teams to stack the box and put seven to eight men in the box when you have AJ Brown who's an emerging superstar receiver, um, and we have Julio Jones. So it's going to be hard for teams to put to stack eight in the box. But this move, this Julio Jones move, it doesn't move the needle much. They're not better than Kansas City. They're not better than Buffalo. They're not better than Cleveland, like overall roster. They're not better than Cleveland. They're not better than Baltimore, and I'm not even sure if they're the best team in the division. I don't even think they're better than Indianapolis. So, at, at okay, benefit of the doubt, at best, at best, Tennessee is the fourth or fifth best team in their conference, at best. But like I said, I'm not even sure if they're better than Indianapolis. I'm not even sure if they're better than Indianapolis. Indianapolis has the better offensive line. Indianapolis has the better has the better foundation. Indianapolis has the better GM. Indianapolis has the better defense. <laughs> the only thing that the only question mark that I have about Indianapolis is Carson Wentz. But this is a but this Indianapolis team is an eleven win team. This is this this team went eleven and five last year with Phillip Rivers. No no slight to Phillip Rivers, but come on, it went it went eleven and five with Phillip Rivers. So I'm not sure if Tennessee's even better than Indianapolis. Plus, Julio Jones, a bit expensive. He's 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 do he's set to make 15.3 million dollars next year. So that's going to limit what you can do. And as I mentioned, the pass rush of the, to Tennessee Titans, like their overall team, isn't great. Plus, Julio wanted Julio wanted a big arm, strong arm quarterback. He wanted a strong arm quarterback. Well, he went from Matt Ryan to Ryan Tannehill. Uh, uh, uh. Matt Ryan to Ryan Tannehill. 
Um, Matt Ryan is the better quarterback. Uh, Matt Ryan has an MVP. Matt Ryan, uh, he had he had, had Cal Shanahan as his offense coordinator for a couple years. Tennessee has Ryan Tannehill, and I like and and, and and by the way, I like Ryan Tannehill, but it's Ryan Tannehill. Ryan Tannehill is a borderline top fifteen quarterback. Ryan Tannehill is a he is a per, he's a he's a guy that does not turn over the ball, but he is he is a precisely a game manager. He's he's a game manager. The Titan, the Titans, the Tennessee Titans trading for Julio Jones and acquiring Julio Jones is like the equivalent of having a sports car in Minnesota when it's dead smack winter. <laughs> like, like, like it, it like that's what it is. Because it's cool to have, like, it's cool. Like Julio Jones is a really good receiver. I don't think I don't I, I don't I, I don't think he's necessarily in his prime anymore. I think he's a good I still think he's a really, really good receiver. I don't know. I'm not sure if he if he's in his prime. But the Titans having Julio Jones is like the equivalent of having a really cool sports car in Minnesota when it's dead smack winter. Like it's it's it, it's cool, but like, does it really help you? Uh, <laughs> like, like, does it really help you financially? No, not really. Uh, I mean, do you get around? Yeah, a little bit, but it's cold. It's snowy. <laughs> like, like that. That's the equivalent. Like having Julio Jones. It, because think about it. Tennessee is a run-heavy offense. It's a run-heavy offense with Derrick Henry. Right? Derrick Henry got to get his touches. Um, the offensive line. I don't think the offensive line is as good as it once was, like a couple years ago. Uh, and then, like I, as I also mentioned, you have AJ Brown on the other side. So, like, I mean, it's cool to have Julio Jones. Like, he's he's cool. I mean, that price that that price is a little uppy, fifteen million dollars. Uh, that price is up there. But you look at the Titans team overall as a roster, it doesn't really boost, it doesn't really boost their chances to um what's what's the what's the thing that I'm looking for? Um it doesn't really boost their chances to compete, or I'm not gonna say compete in the AFC, but they're not AF like nobody is picking the Titans to win the AFC or even get to the AFC championship game. Because as I mentioned. I'm not even sure if they're the best team in their division. <laughs> I'm not even sure if they're the best team in their division. And that division's weird. But Indi like I said, Indianapolis found has a better foundation, better offensive line, better defense. I'm sorry. Like I said, the only question mark that we're still wondering about with, with uh, Indianapolis is Carson Wentz. And, I, I, I mean, my gut feeling is telling me that I think he had turned it around back with Frank Wright, a guy that he connect to, a guy that he had success with, and and so forth. But I mean, and I and I like and I and this is no this is no Julio slander because I like Julio, and I think the Titans are gonna be I think their offense is gonna be really productive. It should be, it should be really productive. But if you think about how they play, if you think about their personnel, they they're run heavy. Ryan Tannehill is their quarterback, um, so that's there's a downgrade at the quarterback position. Um, like I said, Derrick Henry's best to believe Derrick Henry's going to get his touches, and they have another guy, AJ Brown. 
I just think that with the acquire with with the, with the Titans acquiring Julio Jones, it's just like having a sports car in the winter in Minnesota. It's just like it's 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 like having a sport. It's like having a cool, expensive sports car, dead smack winter, in in the middle of Minnesota. That's what it is to me. That's what it is to me. It's cold outside. It's snowing. It's it's frigid. You know, but you know, the value of it is it's just not as great. Um, but. Uh, that's gonna wrap it up, dude. That's gonna wrap it up today. Uh, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. I did. I did. I mean, I gotta. I gotta. I also got. I forgot to mention. Oh my goodness, Bruce Brown, Bruce Brown, and I like Bruce Brown. He's a. He's a. He's a. He's one of those utility guys for Brooklyn. Plays big, but he, you know, bigger than what he is. He's six four, but he plays like he's six ten. But Bruce Brown, those two, those those shots at the end of the game were ridiculous. Uh, they were ridiculous. I just thought I had to mention that because I didn't mention it when I was talking about the Nets and Bucks, but they were ridiculous. But without further ado, hope you guys enjoyed this uh, Saturday episode. I will be back. As I always tell you guys, I will be back. I will be back. Uh, obviously, it's it's a lot of playoff talk, um, but I had to touch on some different topics today. Uh, I think you guys going to – I think you guys enjoyed them. I hope, I hope you did at least. Um you know, I'm going to continue and further the conversation. But without further ado, always remember two choices, one decision. I catch you guys on the other side. Enjoy your weekend. Enjoy your weekend. Enjoy your family and so forth. Uh, yeah, peace. Deuces. Bye. See you guys.